I started coffee with humans as a way to make meaningful connections. See, I believe when people on individual journeys cross paths, real good can come from that. And in that sacred moment, we have the opportunity to do three things. Name reality and describe the future we want. Destroy things for our good by moving on from that which no longer serves us. Create or recreate ourselves, moving us to the reality we describe. That's the essence of coffee with humans, making the world a better place. One conversation at a time. Hey, we are live. Uh, you have managed to join us for Coffee with Humans uh, on a great Saturday with my friend, new friend, David White. Welcome to Coffee with Humans. Thank you, Jason. Well, as the intro says, we're hoping to make the world a better place one conversation at a time. We have succeeded so far, so don't let me down. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll do my best. No pressure here, folks. <laughs> well, we... we uh, we, true to form, have just met about eight minutes before we went yep. live. And yep. it, to me, that's a beautiful thing about Coffee with Humans. Uh, I think, well, well, first of all, uh, another another gentleman who's been on Coffee with Humans, he's shouting out saying, hey there. And if anybody else has other comments or questions that you'd like to throw out there, absolutely, during our conversation, you're welcome to do that. The, the point of Coffee with Humans, uh, and I, sent, I think I sent this to you in an email, David, uh, it's kind of like people meeting around a business function or a group, like a church function or, or a, a family family function, and a friend walks in, and then you're you know you're walking around getting food or something like that, and it's like, hey, to not be awkward, let's have a conversation. But no, normally people aren't invited into those conversations, uh, and it's my hope that when two people walk together on a journey for just a period of time, if they're intentional about uh, making the world a better place, creating something good in that moment, then I think we have the power to do that. So that's why you're on here, at least for me. But I'm curious, why did you click the link? <laughs> Fair question. <laughs> Actually, uh, I was as I'm watching the intro scroll, I was thinking, yeah, this is it. that's exactly why I did. I didn't need any more information than that. It's um, I I've spent quite a bit of time studying resilience. That's a long story as to why I needed to, but anyway, there's lots of study to it and supportive relationships are such a massive part of relation of, of resilience. And, uh, you know, when you, uh, you go into periods like we are right now, everybody knows what period we're in right now. It's a fairly big thing. If you haven't picked that up, you know, Maybe ignorance is bliss. You don't want to know. But anyway, we're in this season and uh, it's challenging resilience. And so, you know, being able to just open up in conversation and uh, could be talking. I'm sure we'll talk all kinds of things. Could be music, coffee, Brazilian dark roast. It's amazing. Uh, could be, um, um, yeah, all kind of philosophy, all kinds of things. And uh, just finding ways to share heart and story. Awesome. I, I loved it. I love the intro. It captured me right away, and that's why I wanted to join. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm happy that you're here. Uh so this idea of resilience, it seems to be 
that's a thing that's on your mind recently. And it is timely, I think, for uh, people around the world. I know it's timely for me, for sure. You know, this idea that we are in what do keep people keep saying unprecedented times. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, there's lots of catchphrases. Uh, back in March, it was the great pause, but I don't know, somebody forgot to take their finger off the button or something. I'm not sure it's, so I'm not sure we can call it that anymore. But uh, yeah, uh, well, resilience for me, uh, it's been on my mind lately, but it's been on my mind, I think, most of my life. Like, uh, so long, much longer story in a book available. Uh, um my dad departed my life more or less to permanent disability when I was seven. My mom passed away when I was 12. And uh, so resilience hasn't been sort of a nice to know. It's been a got to figure this out. And uh, so, you know, you start learning different things about how you can bolster your own resilience. And then it's like, well, how can I share that with other people? Because uh, it's an important topic right now with uh, all the stuff we got going on. So, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. yeah. Do you feel like deal. during this time that you have employed new tactics for resiliency or how has this time affected you? Well, one I did, I'm looking at the keyboard behind you and I, I, I have to jump into this cause it's uh, it's a big part of my life. I I've done a lot of music throughout my whole life. My mother and I, before she passed away, she used to play the accordion. I played the guitar a little bit and I played poorly. I mean, I still don't play great, but I played poorly and, uh, but I loved it. And then she, you know, uh, passed away. And, uh, so I got, I, kind of hung on to that. It was a bit of a memory and a thing I'd worked through. So music was a way of working through lots of different aspects of life. Four albums uh, over a number of years. And then I took this big pause, like 10 years, um, where I just couldn't, it was actually kind of painful to do music. And that's another long story, but let's stop there on that one anyway, and say that as of March, hadn't done music to ten, uh, for 10 years. And then you come around the corner of this COVID thing. And um, I had a bunch of business uh, things I had to do, strategies uh, to keep people going, et cetera, for about a month. And then I, I came home and I looked at my wife and I said, I need to do something. I need to do something creative or I'm not going to be in good shape. Like, you got to know yourself, right? And I just saw the, the flag go up and a little bit of a couple of warning signs go off. And so I started writing music and I wrote 30 songs uh, from April 2nd to May something. Not all of them good songs, Jason. Well, of course. But, but, <laughs> but all of them meaningful of, in some way, right? That's well, yeah, no, absolutely meaningful for sure. And maybe when I say not good, it'd be like not commercial. I, I don't know if I... I'm really reluctant to judge anybody's art. I think when art flows from somebody's heart, it should just be what it is and it's cool. And so, you know, to have the courage to express through art is, is already victory. Right. So, uh, but I got out of those 30, whatever songs I did record 10 onto an LP. I went back old school vinyl. And I did that, but that, you know, to the question, uh, some things that you do differently, it's, it was a thing I used to do. I didn't do for a long time. And then I had to go back to it to kind of find, uh, you know, an outlet to just kind of continue to express, to bring some value into the world when you felt like things were, I don't know, my favorite word for this season is disorienting. I don't know what else to call it for me. It's, you know, things that you expect and all of a sudden they aren't, it's not like that right now, right? So whatever that is. Yeah. No, that's a good point that this idea of disorienting, I think is, uh, I think that's a good word. I haven't had any, I haven't heard anybody else use that word, but it makes sense to me. Um, I, uh, I feel like 
I feel like that's a good word. I, the word I was using was disintegrated. Yeah. Like all these pieces yeah, are, good are now disconnected and somehow somehow the point is to, or maybe the opportunity is to bring them back together in a way that just flows uh, because, you know, all of our habits are, are disrupted. The things yeah. that we knew are disrupted are, uh, you know, where we went on Friday night and Saturday night and the restaurants yeah. we used to go to, those were all disrupted. The people we saw each day, that's disrupted. Uh, and and now all these pieces, these disparate pieces are kind of sitting out like a puzzle. And yeah. now we have this opportunity to just kind of pull them back together. And what do we want to create? And I think that's, that's a, of, of all the things we've gotten this, this time, it's like this opportunity to create because these well-worn paths are are uh we're not on those paths anymore very very true i mean if it's just a matter of going back and putting the puzzle together that we were trying to work on it's uh some of those pieces don't even exist now you know they've been thrown up in the air and scattered and so to find them they if they don't exist what are you going to do so now you have an incomplete picture and i think that's that's a that's a pretty fair analogy to say what's the what is the picture that we want now and what do you want to do shape out uh, you know at different points of uh everyone's personal life we're challenged to sort of reinvent ourselves this is like reinvention on grand scale or writ large or whatever you want to say but in um in, in smaller picture segments throughout life i mean i can think of five six seven times lately five in career like where i've had to pivot and reinvent and uh, try to come up with you know what's the vision look like now and um it, I think that at the under underneath it all, you really have to hang on to um, a perspective that life is a gift. You know, it's. Um, I'd actually um, I, I wrote this a little bit, was working around and podcasted it out this morning, but I was saying uh, I'd like to have as much fear of the future as I did the day before my birth. It's a little weird. It's kind of the way I roll. <laughs> no, I'm, that's. I'm trying to figure out what that means to me because I, I feel yeah. like it means something very particular to you. Yeah. I mean, even even the loaded term of fear, right? Some sure. people move through fear, move into fear. Some people move away from fear. Right. Some people fear, right? Yeah, Just no, that's good. The idea of fear. Right, right. Yeah, no, that's right on. Uh, all kind, I mean, that's exactly right. I uh, a little bit of Enneagram study. I've done some of that, and you know, where you could look at Myers Briggs or various personality profiles, and you got to say, well, different people translate different events different ways. That's the point of saying all that, and it's that's easy to come up with that. I guess for me, it's uh, you know, if there's uncertainty in the future, uh, to go back to like I'm kind of being tongue in cheek, go back and have as much fear about the future or apprehension or you know, worry about the uncertainty as I did the day before my birth. For me, that that statement sort of puts life into perspective. I, you know, I didn't control the day I came in. I didn't control what family I was born to, what country I was born into, my skin color, the kind of uh, physical stature I would grow to. Um, I, nothing. I have any. I didn't fill it. I don't know unless you did a requisition form, right? I'd like to be <laughs> a David White and born into the family of the White household. Whatever. You know, it's being facetious here but it's um, didn't have any of that. And so it's somehow we um, it's so easy in circumstance to lose track of uh, some of that beauty and mystery of life that started right at the beginning with just as a gift, you, you're breathing, you're alive. It's amazing. Like, you know, look at your hand, it moves. Holy smokes. Like, how does that happen? You know, 
Those there, kinds oh, of things. totally. I, I agree that the, uh, I, there was a there's a comedian. I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was George Carlin or something like that, but he he talked about how everything's amazing and nobody's happy. He, yeah. You know, he, and he went into Good this one. long thing about how, you know, you you stand in line at an airport for, you know, an hour, two hours, something like that. And then you put yourself in a metal tube, which transports you <laughs> to the other side of the world in a, several hours yeah. and then lands and it might be delayed by 30 minutes. And it's like, everything's amazing. That's amazing yeah. that you could yeah. have the opportunity to wait in line to sit in a metal tube as yeah. it flies over yeah. the world. And people just aren't happy. Yeah, it is crazy. It's a it's a great perspective challenge, you know, of all the things. Uh, I actually I, I went to Ireland, uh, man, a year and a half, two years ago now. Uh, took some Enneagram training, and really, you know, those kinds of training sessions. I don't know if you've been a part of something like that, but Enneagram, Myers Briggs, otherwise, but really deep introspective sort of study of yourself and how you function, your fears, your hopes, your dreams, all that kind of stuff. Came out of it with one phrase in my mind that I really wanted to uh, get better at discovering the extra in ordinary. So instead of just thinking of, you know, we spend, it seems like we almost like we're programmed to look for the extraordinary. And yet there's so much extra in what we kind of routinely write off as ordinary. We just blow right past it. We don't even acknowledge it. So, you know, I was talking to somebody recently about music and I said, you know, don't you find it kind of extraordinary the music in general, you know, or any kind of art or whatever, you gotta, you have to be able to hear it and see it, you know, speak it, sing it. Um, you're, you've got all the structures of sound, like you're, so you got physics, I got, uh, I got some um, hydraulic systems working here and ball joints and electrical impulses and they're all running through. Like when you just pause and think about what all's going on for you and I to have this conversation. You know, you're halfway around the world from where I am. And uh, by the way, I have a lot of snow on the ground, which you can have if you'd like. But uh, so, I'll but, get mine. Don't worry. <laughs> fair enough. You're in summer there, I suppose. This time of year well, for you. It's it, it's a it's an odd time of year. It goes from 29 last night to 52 today. Oh my! Uh, and then probably somewhere around December, January, it'll drop. But it, but we had I think it was two years ago, maybe we had negative 30. Wow. During yeah. the winter. So yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. No, about you yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, you, uh, yeah, I get it. Okay. It's a land so. of uh, weather indecision. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. So anyway, all the extra and ordinary, that's the point of all that. And, uh, I think it's, um, I think it's a, it's something that's essential for us. So it, if you, if you look at human DNA, uh, I heard somebody speaking about this once and they were talking about in terms of, you know, how much, what percentage of DNA difference is there between us and other people and stuff. And it's minuscule, like even to get different skin tones, heights, whatever else, the, the vast amount, like 99.9% .9 of DNA exists the same with all of us. And then these is little changes. Well, it's kind of the same thing. Like if you're looking to be like really excellent in something in life, let's say you want to be the next Michael Jordan in basketball or something. And you, you know, the difference between uh, Michael Jordan and somebody that's not going to ever be Michael Jordan, Gracie's decided she's going to move now, by the way. Goodbye. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> hey, she's my bud. What can I say? Uh, is the difference is, is 
I mean, it, we look at it as this extraordinary difference. I get it. But unless we're able to appreciate the, the base platform that we have in life, I don't know when we're going to be happy. It's like, anyway, that, to your point of the two, I think the airplane probably says it simpler, but <laughs> my mind kind of goes there and I go like, ah, oh, man, it's like, if I'm, if I can't find, you know, something to be happy about with all that I have now, not just, I'm not talking about possessions. In fact, that's, that's like, it's not even icing. It's, you know, you have so much in the gift ability of life that we have to come back to appreciate as extraordinary, but we write it off. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So back to this idea of music, mm. I'm curious, I feel like uh, for me, uh, and I want to talk about the Enneagram too, because I'm fascinated by that. And I have done a little, I've done my fair share of research on that. I've never been cool. to training or anything, but I love yep, yep. the concepts of it. Yeah. Uh, music. You said you took 10 years off of music, mm-hmm. but my guess is it's your emotional outlet as similarly to how it's my emotional outlet. When I get kind of all bound up and don't know where to, where to put those things, uh, yep. you know, like those 30 songs that you wrote, which most of them are just for you. Uh, that's, that's what I use music for. Yeah. Yeah. Cathartic, right. Working it out. Uh, that's exactly right. I, I think that's been a lot of music was never actually, it's, it's almost never been entertainment for me. I, I, um, I did some touring, uh, decided I wasn't going to do 300 days a year on the road. (laughs) (laughs) So that's not happening. So, um, but uh, it was always about communication of things, you know, so I'd listen to somebody's story and, you know, it would be like, wow, that's, you know, how do you get through life? That's amazing. And so I'd end up writing, uh, you know, something out of that. That's one song I'm thinking of. And, but other things, you know, just little truths that you find along the way and just you're processing them. And I find that um, music as an art form really helps you do that. It's, it's, uh, it's got some structure to it that's sometimes not all that forgiving, you know, verse, chorus, whatever, blah. But, um, but it's also got something, music says something that you can't say. Like, it, it, you know, if I could just say it, I don't need a song. But if, if you're, if there's a, uh, either a cry or a shout or, you know, it's got so much emotion around music that really helps you process it at a much deeper level. Yeah. I read a James Taylor's book called Break Shot. I just had oh, to be awesome. quick. Break Shot, my first 21 years. It, I, I, it, I listened to the audiobook of that uh, on a plane flight from somewhere. Really, really fascinating. The things that have happened in his life and how he used music to process all of the stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like relationships with father and relationships with family and kids. And to, I can't remember what he said, but it was basically like, you know, I'm processing all of this junk of my life through my music yeah, before right on. you be, and you're just being kind of introduced or invited into it. That's a great way to say it actually. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, when we're having the conversation initially, I say not all of them good songs. They go, well, wait a minute. The solos are just for me or whatever. They're all process. And that's exactly right. I mean, not every song is going to be relatable to somebody else because it's uh, specifically uniquely comes out of your experience. And so, um, there are artists that uh, stay very, very true to that and sort of avoid the commercial. And they're not all that popular um, necessarily, but yet they follow their craft and continue to write out of what they are. And that takes courage. I, I think that's what stopped me for 10 years was I 
I sort of started to try to get to be more commercial, and um, and then I had a couple of political hiccups. We'll just leave those at that. And uh, it got a little painful, and so I backed off. And I I think if I was going to give any advice to anybody, I'd say don't don't put all the weight on the commercial aspect. Like you know, stay true to um, kind of that deeper kind of soul connection to music, and just let it take you. It's you know, unless you and if you're desperately wanting to make an income in it. Well, you're already set up for failure. So <laughs> stacked against you. <laughs> That's right. Well, I, anyway. I, no, I totally agree with you. I think you know one of the one of the key points probably to take away from all that uh, is to understand yourself, and this leads into mm. the enneagram, right? You have to understand yourself and and, and understand. So, like emotional processing, how do we go about? processing all of those types of things is it a close friend that we have to speak with is it a hobby is it music is it some sort of art form uh and i feel like a lot of emotional processing happens through art Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not a it's not really a matter of thinking because thinking gets in the way because these feelings don't have uh are are sometimes nonsensical right they don't make sense they're in conflict with one another they're here they're blowing like the wind they're gone like the seasons and then they come back and and so thinking that through or trying to make it scientific is a uh it loses it loses some of its um yeah i don't know some of its joy yeah i should have talked to you before i did the last album Send it to me. We can critique it together. <laughs> well, I think you're right on. I uh, actually, I think um, most of my art has been bound up a little bit uh, in. Uh, I had one. Uh, it's actually my cousin's daughter was listening to some of my music and says, "Sounds like a little bit like you're inhibited." You know, there's this little, there's something going. And I think what it is, you're you're trying to, you know, think your way through something to make it all connect. And yet, you know, some of my favorite songs. There's a YouTube song, uh, YouTube song called uh, "Moment of Surrender." Okay. I don't know. You could listen to that song and you can, you could translate it probably a hundred ways. And it's one of those songs. I don't think that you two and Bono would ever tell you what it meant. <laughs> it would be like, I don't know. What does it mean to you? You know? Uh, and I, I think that's where those are the songs when you listen to them. James Taylor's got a bunch of them. You know, I, uh, uh fire and rain. And I read several, um, you know, people's commentaries on what that song means, you know, and what he was writing about. And I'm not sure if he's ever actually said, but, but it's like, yeah, don't spoil it. You know, it's a, there's a cry in that song. That's awesome. And just leave it alone. You know, let's not intellectualize it too much. It's just, uh, takes you back to my point of, it says something you can't say, you know, it's, yeah, yeah I think good. Uh, there's a, there's a song, um, Eric Clapton. Oh, shoot. I feel fine anytime she's around me now. Mm-hmm. Well, she's around me now, almost all the time. Is that Eric Clapton? No, no, it's James Taylor. It's late in the evening, she's wondering what clothes to wear. That's all her makeup and brushes along. That's Eric Clapton. You bet. Yeah, so that one, that one is an interesting one because it doesn't follow the rules. Of That's a good point. Songs. Yeah. It's not verse one, verse two, pre-chorus, chorus. Verse three, pre-chorus, chorus, bridge, chorus, right? It's it's yeah. not following the rules. It's telling a story. Yeah. And uh yeah, it's telling a story about one of the, you know, women that he was dating at a, a particular time. 
Yeah. And that night, you know, and it's all of those events actually happened and it's about a particular woman. And that was cool. his that was his processing. And I think she looked back on that, uh, if, if I recall, and was, you know, felt this moment of, you know, they're not together, obviously, but they she felt this moment of privilege, even looking back on it like, yeah, that was that I would be someone's muse. Right. For yeah, the creation totally. that they put out into into the world. That's yeah. bold. And why not? Why not just love that? Why not just fall in love with that journey? Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's awesome. Well, in fact, uh, we all, um, I think we know where it's well established anyway, that one of the, uh, you know, the mindfulness or one of the major um, contributors to, you know, personal resilience is to sort of be present. And uh, that's a great example of presence. It's like in this moment in that time where I am right now, here's what's going on. And, and to have captured it in art, uh, sort of like it honors it or something. And it, it holds it in a way like you, you still move on beyond that point. And there's other experiences that you have and other people that you meet, but it uh, sort of pays homage or, or honors, um, you know, a specific moment in time, which is beautiful. It's awesome. You know, it's, it chronicles it as real or something somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. So Enneagram, you said you traveled to do some Enneagram training. What's, uh, yeah. what's up with your, uh, joy of the Enneagram. Well, the travel part, first of all, is kind of chuckly because I, or humorous, I, uh, chuckly. Is that a word? I don't think so. It is. Anyway, okay. <laughs> it is now, yeah. So, uh, so funny, fun fact Klaxon, K L A X O N, Klaxon was not a word before 1908. And oh, then really? uh, it became a horn. It's the horn that goes, auga, auga. That's a Klaxon. Fun fact. There you go. There you go. <laughs> So, oh, no, no. hey, you know, whatever, you make I, up your words, it's fine. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> uh, so I, I I wanted to take some Enneagram training. Okay. And um, I had studied or read about it, et cetera. And there were two oppor- there's an opportunity to take the Enneagram training uh, in two places that I was really interested in. One was San Diego and the other was Ireland. So I went to Ireland. Yeah. So, all hard. things being no, it wasn't very hard at all. And my father was born there, so I actually had a double benefit. I got to um, I got to go into Dublin and take the course out at uh, Malahide, and then um, after that week, I spent another week tracing my uh, father's and grandfather's steps through kind of through their life in Ireland, which was a beautiful experience. But uh, I what I love about the Enneagram is uh, it for me. And I'm, I think this is fairly popular, but um, it helps us distinguish the difference between sort of our essence and our ego. So you've got, um, you know, what's this pure strength that you've been created uh, with? And so let's just think of it as um, two sides of the same coin. You know, there's the strength and the weakness are both you. And they're, you know, to, to we, we often want to mitigate our weakness, but in the direction of mitigation, we kind of try to kill it without realizing that we're actually killing the strength that's bound to the other side of that same thing. And um, I think that's what I really like about the Enneagram is it really helps me to understand, oh, that's what's going on. That's why I'm doing that. But here's the positive side of that, that you could find a way to express. And um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, I use it a lot in coaching and it's been, it, it's been helpful for me and that's why I studied it. And that's why I like to share it. It's just a way of sort of, you know, I resonate deeply with it. I can, yeah, use so it with conversations. Naturally, I have to figure out. I have to find out what 
what Enneagram type are you? Uh, okay. Well, do you want to figure it out or do you want me to tell you? <laughs> you can tell. You can tell <laughs> it's, it's almost impossible to figure it out right away because it's uh, it, this is the kicker with the Enneagram is we can all use various energies and use them very similarly, but it's why we use them that is the key to the Enneagram. So, uh, I'm going to write I'm, down a guess. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, you bet. I don't know much about you, but I'm going to write down a guess. Yeah, yeah, go for it. And I'll even give you the wing. So in, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but the type yeah. and the wing. Okay. Yeah. So uh, type is a four and a three wing. Oh, okay. All right. That's not my guess. <laughs> were you close? I was close. I thought you were five. Oh, well, actually, that's interesting because uh, when I go um, four is a core, and I can see why you'd think five. Five is very much, you know, you're in your head. And uh, very, uh, you know, lots of logic and um, and whatnot. So I, I think, you know, I borrow from that wing as well. Um, most of my career, the the orphan influence kind of took me into the three because he had to be an overachiever to prove your worth and all that kind of stuff. So uh, in the natural uh, Enneagram four is, I find it embarrassing. I don't know if everybody finds the weakness of their type embarrassing. But I certainly do. It's this like sort of melodramatic, like uh, everything's dark and, you know, I'm not I'm broken. I'm not doing as well as anyone. It's like, ah. <laughs> let me up for some air but the beautiful part of it and that's the part like back to what i was saying about you want to kill that part it's like i don't want anybody to know i have that stuff yeah, and on the other side of it, yeah it's the yeah. shadow side and this all this ugly weakness stuff that hangs out there but but the beautiful part of it is you see life differently and you can interpret it differently you can go into the dark places you can bring back stuff into the light so that people can see it uh, equanimity is a big part of that. And so, you know, this kind of calm under pressure, it's like, eh, I don't know, I've seen the dark, you know, so this doesn't really freak me out. It's no big deal. So there's all of that that goes that's, man, I sure would want to lose that. It's great. Oh, yeah, it's bound to the other stuff. <laughs> like, you yeah. can't, you know, it just is what it is. And so I, I, I think that gives us hope. Like, you know, you can have um, all of us in our types. I like a good friend is a type one, and it's like, you know, duty, honor, and company. We got to do it perfect. We got to be right all the time, you know, this kind of stuff. And uh, for him to walk in grace has been a gift, you know, just go, hey, you know what? When you realize you're you're not perfect, you can actually free yourself to be a good man. This could be great. You know? so, totally. <laughs> so we, have, we have lots of laughter around that. Well, I'm a 5W6. So, all right on, right on. Yeah. So, Yeah. I, I, the loyalist side is a six. That's very cool. That's a, actually, I, I honestly don't know another five, six. I, I have no. a six as a daughter okay. and uh, I have some good friends that are fives. And uh, yeah, that's, that's an interesting, that's a good combination. So how do you find, what is it for you as you study that? What's the thing that's um, like, what drew you in or how did it help you? Okay. So as a five, I have a tendency to to like to think about things, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I like to understand them, and and you know I think the Enneagram would state that the that the kind of the core fear of a five is that we won't be able to understand our world, we won't be able to be competent competent enough for it, right? Um, and I don't know that that's fully, for me at least, I don't know that that's that's fully true. There is a fear. It's a obviously it's for me the core the the struggle is fear. Um, it's not necessarily that I won't be competent enough, um, for me necessarily, 
but there's a there's an attachment to there, and I think this goes with the six, right? Which is that there's a fear that I won't be competent enough for the world because mm-hmm. I I want to do a great job for everybody else. I want to, you know, encourage everybody else. Uh, sometimes historically to a fault that I won't take care of myself, which is also characteristic of a five. Um, and get trapped in my head trying to getting in getting into a loop of trying to make sure that things are good enough uh, and then just wanting to get better and better and better at that. And I've got I've come to find through, you know, life's experiences and the wandering journey uh, that it's OK to uh, just not be good at things, um, which has been huge. Well, that's a massive discovery. I think in all of the, that uh, I've been saying a lot over the last year or so that grace is the most powerful word I know. And it's not, you know, step back from whether you think it's uh, something you say before a meal or somebody, some lady's name or something that's attached to religion. Just think of it in terms of the freedom uh, to sort of own without judgment and without fear. And then to uh, to just sort of unpack things and reconcile if you need to and move forward. It's I, I I find it just literally the word when I speak it just grace. It's like so it's like breathing. You know, it's like oh man, you don't like don't put all of that. And that's the you know the enneagram is beautiful. It, as I was saying, the essence and the ego. So this, you know, this beautiful part of, and then this ego's kind of proppings of, uh, you gotta, you gotta do this to be validated or earn, or you don't want to look like that. So let's, the ego's trying to protect us all the time. And, you know, maybe all of that protection effort isn't all bad. I'm not trying to write it off, but some of it gets in the way and some of it becomes a burden. And so when we're not free to sort of be who we are, um, you know, it's, um, yeah, that's a, that's a tough burden to live with, you know, it's to find grace to be able to you know, be able to breathe and accept that. Yeah. I'm not going to get it right all the time. It's all right. It can become crippling. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, yeah, that's a great way to say it. it'd be like limping through life the whole time. You know, we, uh, we all have stuff. We all got uh, baggage. And so I don't know, I'd like to, you know, in, in a way, uh, even in this conversation, as an example, you know, giving each other the permission to sort of be who we are um, and um, not have to say or be or do anything exactly perfect is a gift to the people that are listening. Yeah. Right. So for us, I, life. I think so. And I, I, I for, for me, I've, I've spent a considerable amount of time trying to perfect things like how to say them and why I want to say them. And that's, a, that's just something that happens naturally in my head. I rarely right. have a thought or I rarely have something I'm saying that I haven't actually thought about. And it happens so fast. Uh, you know, and it's, it's kind of funny, you know, when I, when I have a suggestion into something, you know, whatever it is, my suggestion is based on all of the pathways that my mind nearly instantaneously went down and evaluated all in moments to say, this is probably the best. Right and I cannot stop it. I've, uh, and that's the, that's the tiring. That's the, um, that's where like mental exhaustion can really come in. Uh, and also, yeah. uh, I think, and you know, this is for, for anybody else who's out there who kind of feels this. I often felt like maybe I was weird in terms of disconnection in my life. Like maybe I wasn't fully connected to myself and I wasn't fully connected to other people because I didn't feel all the things that I thought I should feel. I didn't, I, I didn't fully 
I didn't feel like I moved into this connection that some other people felt just so connected to the moment. And I had a hard time fully connecting to the moment. I was always living outside or beyond the moment uh, or or evaluating the moment, thinking it through instead of just living in it, right on. accepting it. And that's still that's still something I have a hard time with. But I can feel it now. I can feel the I can feel when I'm not there. Uh, Jason, that's awesome. Like the, you know, the I am actually hearing an executive coach that uh, that I had speak into my life during some uh, grad studies work, and he would say, you know, it's enough to come to a place of awareness. You don't actually have to create all kinds of change if you come to the place of awareness that you know of what's happening in you. Then it's sort of you just sort of naturally work your way to something that you more prefer or whatever, but you have to understand what's happening. Right. So this is really cool. So as an example, um, you know, I'm, I say something to you, so a four has to just, let's just play with this a little bit. A four has to come up with something authentic. We have to be authentic. Okay. So I want to come up with something that, you know, it's unique. Right. And so I say, Hey, I'd like to be, uh, I'd like to have the same amount of fear of my future as I do the day before my birth. And so a four talking to a five, the five goes, well, it depends on how you evaluate fear. <laughs> like it's perfect. So you you literally have a four and a five operating exactly out of their function. And that's how we, that grace then, you have to have grace because it you're going to see it differently. But man, what a better picture. So we're actually sitting there talking with two, uh, about the same sort of thing from two different perspectives and with two different filters. And uh, I that's what I love about, like if you use an Enneagram in a team setting or something, it's kind of like trying to help people see that you don't, you know, they're not trying to be an ass, whoever is on the other side of the table from you. You want what they have to say because it's going to help you see a better picture, a more fuller picture, a more fuller, sorry, a fuller picture. Oh, look at that. I can accept my imperfections. A uh, fuller picture of of, uh, of whatever you're looking at. So, I, I, but you know, we get, even in our, our marriages or our friendships or whatever, we get into the situation. I see what I need to see. I know what I need to know. You have it wrong. Get out of my way. You're just an annoyance instead of being more open to, well, I don't know, help me see what you see. It's a great phrase. That that phrase, help me see what you see, is uh, is an enabling phrase that we've started to use in, in our company. A friend of mine and I started bouncing it back and forth, and we really like it. We, it just comes out of us, you know, and it's an invitation then, like... Um, so when you're saying, well, I'm mature, I'm, literally my mind went to help me see what you can see. And I'm going, ah, yeah, I guess that's true. Cause you'd have nine different perspectives percent, well, more maybe yeah. um, around the, around that one issue of what is fear. Well, and that's Very a good. challenging, it's a courageous and challenging place to go into. Uh, and I think requires patience. I think that word comes to my mind. I, and then like the word you brought up, which I think, which is great, the, the, the word grace, uh, which you know just kind of covers covers things, uh, covers the imperfections, um, and allows allows space right for wandering. Uh, the the game I don't know if you played this when you were a kid. That game on the on the uh, I think I played it in gym class as a child with a big parachute and it had a hole in the middle. And then we all gathered around the parachute and we all pulled on the parachute and then they threw all these balls on top and then we'd like throw it up and down. And all these balls are popping right. And the whole point was to get the balls through the hole in the middle. But the only way the game worked was to have somebody on the opposite side of you pulling in the exact opposite direction because that 
held the parachute up. Right. And if anyone let it down, the game doesn't work. All the balls fall outside. And I, I believe that if there's any good principles, you know, among the good principles of living life is to come to the respect for our own viewpoint and how that might be directly opposite from the person next to us. Uh, yep. And it's necessary because the because to play the game of life, to to make it through and see as many perspectives as we can and grow into into our weaknesses and grow into our strengths, we must be fully pulling in the direction that we can while accepting that someone else is fully, fully pulling directly across from us. And then there are people all around the outside that are kind of pulling to the right, kind of pulling to the left. But if we all pull and play our roles, then then I think we end up in a better space. That's a great analogy. I haven't played the game. I can see it in my mind now as you're describing it. And uh, yeah, I had no experience with that, but that totally makes sense. Great analogy. It's a kid's game, you know, and and we I I've talked to, you know, politics here in the States is a mess. Um, and it's supposed to be, and I, you know, people think it's not supposed to be, and I'm a, of the exact opposite opinion, which is like, no, it's supposed to be the the fact that we have a privilege to have differing opinions. We want that. We want somebody else with an exact opposite opinion, and we have to just meet in the middle. That's the whole system. That's uh, actually okay. So, coffee with humans, you can do that with this. Uh, okay. uh, this quick analogy: put coffee cup on the table between us, and uh, sign on this side. Uh, I won't tell you what it says yet, but sign on this side. I don't see it. I go to grab, or maybe on this side it's better. I go to grab the handle, take a, a sip out of my coffee cup, and you, if you actually have any respect or appreciation for me at all, might tell me to not grab that handle or whatever, stop, whatever. And usually when somebody says stop, we react. It's like, like what? It's coffee. Like, what's right. the big deal? You know. So anyway, with the analogy that I've done with groups is you put the sign on the other side that says wet glue. So I can't see that you can, and I yeah. just need, and you know, you gotta, like, sometimes we gotta say, Whoa, just a second. We would have a conversation just to make sure, like, is it this that's wet glued? Did somebody just prop that sign up from a project they're working on? It's nothing to do with this or what, but we better know. Right. Absolutely. So yeah. We yeah, require yeah. other people who don't see what the we same see things that we see. Right. They see it and, in a totally different way. Right. Yeah, and we have to we have to be able to have. I think it tastes graceful as discussions. I, I've tried on social media. I, I'm really working at um, not being so involved in in the outcome of the discussion and more interest in the people in the discussion, and that helps then to de-escalate some things and get real conversation going. It's a challenge though. There's so many people. I mean, literally, you know, you get uh, responses that come back. I won't quote them. That just doesn't feel appropriate here, but it's like, yeah, I know expletives and all kinds of stuff, right? And it's like, ah, man, like, why did we, uh, where did we stop having the license, you know, taking the license to beat people when we disagree with them? It doesn't make any sense to me, but. It's it's our learning, I think. It does. Yeah. It impairs us for sure. For sure. And I, and that does a disservice to us, ourselves first Mm -hmm. and foremost. Naturally, it has an impact around us, but. Why would I, why there, I I can think of, uh, I can think of things that we've learned through time as, as a collective, right? So, uh, I think it was George Washington crossed the Delaware river, right? 
um, years ago. You're from Canada, so you don't know these things, but actually, <laughs> I know that much. I'm not okay. sure I know what he said well, he exactly. The Delaware River, right? And it's kind it, of yeah. important because George Washington, you know, ended up being president and like mm-hmm. working, start starting us off on a good foot. However, the man died uh, shortly thereafter from pneumonia, which is a shame. Uh, for sure. But the even greater shame is why he died from pneumonia. He likely mm. died from pneumonia because medical care at the time involved things like bleeding you out to get the bad things out of you, which is very difficult to recover from pneumonia when you're also being <laughs> treated medically wrong, completely wrong. And and now we would look at this and we're only 240 <laughs> years old or whatever. Like, sure. We would look at this now and be like, what the wow. hell were you thinking? This makes no damn sense. So there is something that we all collectively agree to now, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, that's good. Somebody's going to look back on this moment. They're going to go, what the hell were what? you thinking? It makes no damn sense. <laughs> right? That's very good. Yeah, And, exactly and we right. don't know what that is. Don't know I don't, we don't know, know what it is. Right? <laughs> right. And, worse, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm like, no, I... <laughs> right. I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyhow. Yeah. But there are all sorts of things that we we completely believe and and we're we're just so so wrong. And we'll find out later mm-hmm. or not. Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll maybe we'll be dead. But I, in that moment, it's like, okay, I have an opinion. I have a viewpoint. It could also be completely factually wrong as much as I believe it. Yeah, I uh, yeah, no, it's um, I had this discussion. That I let's say here's a four to try this out on a five, so brace yourself. <laughs> so, okay, so uh, I had this discussion with uh, one of my profs in grad study, and I said, Well, would, would it be fair to say that we discover truth that we don't really dictate it? Mm-hmm. And uh, the response back was, No, no, um, we find now that through quantum physics we can dictate truth, and I was, you know, I'm trying to really, wouldn't that just be another level of discovery? Like I can't get my head around dictating. So if you can accept that it's a discovery, then you also can accept that you may or may not have it all. Like, it's just like, just lean in and see what more you can find. You know, it's uh yeah, I don't know. Like I'd be like, uh, I don't know, maybe this is a stupid example, but if my mother's name was, you know, Verna or something, as it was, um, I can't dictate what it was. It was what it was. That's a dumb example maybe. But it, there are certain things that, you know, they're just like, I don't know, you can't dictate that. It just is what it is, right? You you can discover it. I could think her name was uh, Sylvia or something. I could call her Sylvia all the time. She doesn't respond. I don't understand why she doesn't respond. <laughs> I was like... You know, maybe you got it wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> bad example. I, no, but I read. I read uh, just. Uh, I just read my news feeds and and sometimes read the articles because they're interesting. But one of the things that came up in my news feed today is that uh, something like we are two thousand light years closer to a big black hole uh, than was previously calculated. And the the first thought that okay. came through my mind as a five was um, was like, oh, we're wrong again. <laughs> that's the first thing that came to my mind it's like all right so we were wrong the first time but we were we thought we were right and we were so wrong we were 2000 light years which is a meaningless number to most of us right yeah exactly you know it it in probably 50 percent of listeners here don't even know what a light year is anyhow 
yeah. which is no, that's no harm, no foul. No, exactly. You, you, that's we right. We never deal with these things at all. No, that and two bucks will get you another coffee. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And yet there, there are all these, you know, I, I just find as a five, I find it fascinating that people are even thinking about these things. And I love, I love reading it, you know, yeah. like about, about how some failed satellite launches turned into a, a calculation of gravity's effect on time. And how they came up, they made their calculation 30 times better uh, because these failed satellite launches, they didn't reach geosynchronous orbit, which which would be a, a clear, you know, a, a, a circular orbit around the Earth. Instead, it reached a it reached uh, these two satellites reached um, an a, uh, oval orbit. And so the orbit shifts by 5600 uh, 5, miles uh, every day, twice a day. Oh wow! As it rotates, as it goes around the Earth, and they were able because these atomic atomic clocks are off by like one second in a million years or something like that. They're so finely tuned um, that they were able to calculate and come up, you know, and, un and understand that Einstein's original, you know, hypotheses about gravity affecting time. Oh yeah, it's absolutely true. They they had figured that out before, but they calculated the uh in the um precision of that calculation by 30 times greater because over the course of like three or five years or something like that because they calculated every time this thing went through this you know orbital change yep. um that time changes depending on its uh depending on a gravital gravitational pull but like so a lot of people would care nothing about that but what they don't understand is that that calculation actually enables gps uh, to be down uh, to be uh, calculated even tighter, uh -huh. and that becomes pragmatic now. And and it's yeah. a it's a massive massive issue because they have to do yeah. these calculations constantly to figure out the gravitational changes, and have to take that into effect to make GPS even work. Uh, but like you know, th back to this idea that you know, everything's amazing, nobody's happy. It's oh, like yeah. the, there's somebody somewhere thinking these things through and and correcting us as we go and understanding that we're we're wrong. We just don't know in what ways and to what degree. Yeah. And yet we become better through time. If we can do that scientifically, why can't we do that emotionally? Why can't we do that mentally? Good why point. can't we do that we do we do that relationally? Isn't yeah. that part of the process of living to just go, well, you know, I was so so wrong five years ago. <laughs> And now I'm now I'm better. <laughs> uh, that's really uh, that's I actually love where you how uh, you brought that through. It's um, I just had this discussion with a, a good friend who's a, a peer coach, and uh, she was saying um, that she was really kind of wrestling with the being and doing you know those two words and how we in some ways we act like we're human doings, not human beings. And then uh, but our discussion went to there's a being that gets involved in a doing and then it's unto a becoming. And uh, I like the fullness of the three. It's uh, then there's purpose in all three, right? It's um, like our being impacts our doing, our doing impacts our being and it's all unto our becoming. And so we get to choose, you know, it's been kind of a theme throughout this whole conversation of uh, what's the new future that you want to, that you want to be as a person, as a, you know, as a family, as a community, as a society, as a, as a world. And, um, yeah, I, to be open 
is uh, going to be far uh, better than it. I don't. I don't see a resilience actually. It, I don't see a resilience in just being hard. Like hardness breaks. You know, the harder you are, the more you break. And I, I don't. You know, I know every analogy falls off at a point, but I think that's a general statement of resilience that I would accept. Resilience adaptability would be a better word than hardness. And uh, and there's another phrase that gets used a lot, just to throw this out there too, for what it's worth. But this whole bouncing back idea of resilience, it's not that it's not, I like the sentiment of it, I get it. You, you know, you've been crushed, you want to bounce back. That's good. But if you just bounce back to where you were, then you, you're standing now where the world no longer is because everything's moving forward. So it's got to be, oh, how do we, so it, it becoming and, and changing, even taking the, the, what we would classify as bad things that happen in our life, whatever that really is, and understanding that there's lots of good that comes out of it. So just like your analogy there, you know, you had this failures that all of a sudden helped you to understand, you know, something that really changed and, and increased the ability to more accurately calibrate GPS, which makes a difference here and there and on and on. And that came out of failure. So, um, how many times in our life emotionally, uh, you know, and, um, relationally do we, or can we uh, find room to, allow failure to be interpreted differently, change the lens on it and look and say, well, what did you learn in that? How did it affect your character, your becoming? And those are great frame. That's great framework, man. It's awesome. Yeah. My, my, uh, uh, for me, um, my phrase, I think for this year or period of time, at least is love your journey. Not, and I, and it's for me, especially because I, like I tend to get, I fall, tend to fall in love with destinations, you know, like I've achieved this, I'm done. Uh, I've, yeah. I've come here. I love, you know, I, I like this place for vacation. I like this thing that I go to. I like this thing that I eat. I like, I, right. Cause I've spent so much time thinking it through that. I love it. I like that. And then I'm reluctant to leave it. I'm reluctant to move through it. I'm reluctant to discover, uh, without holding, like holding on to that. Hmm. And, and instead, for me at least, as a you know, as an Enneagram five, and you know, being Jason, and the things I've done, and places I've been, and people I know, loving the journey that I'm on has been super important to me. To just say, you know what, I, this is this is a journey, and it might be meandering, and I can love that. It doesn't have to be a straight line. It doesn't have to be well thought out, even, because. I'm on, I'm on a journey, man. I'm on, I'm on an adventure of life. And that's why, I mean, part of why I love doing this coffee with humans thing. I launched it in April because I felt like the world, or at least people I knew was somehow, somehow becoming hopeless or despondent, you know, and there's, and I kind of felt myself sinking into some of these things too. And I thought, well, I refuse to do that. I know how to, I know how to move through this before I've done it before. I'll do it again. Like I'm going to, I'm going to come out of this with strength. And so I thought, well, uh, what can I do? I can talk to people and I've counseled people and I've worked with, you know, entrepreneurs and small business owners. Like we can have conversations about anything and I'm nearly impossible to offend. So I'm not even gonna get in arguments. And so I thought, well, I'll throw it out there. Anyone want to have coffee with me? The only rule is no sales calls. And somebody's like, click the button, boom. And all of a sudden it's just like over and over and over and over and over. And like, okay, cool. Like let's, just love the journey together. Let's walk together for a moment and see what, see what we could learn. And I, I, then at one point in time, just, you know, where I was at, I put out a video. I was like, I just want to thank everybody out there. It's been healing 
to have these conversations. And that was for me. Right. And it might have been for somebody else, too. I don't know. But for me, on my journey, it was healing to meet people and discover what they're up to and love their journey as well. And then feed into one another, like like pulling on that, uh, you know, pulling on that parachute. Who's who's across from me and what makes you tick? (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Can I learn and what can I add in too? because we're all in the game together. Yeah. 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 Back to your first question, you know, why, why did I click? That's a really good example or or a summary of exactly what caught me. It's, uh, you know, you you can go into this um, and lots do. I mean, you know, during lockdown, um, some don't have the uh, capacity to um, reach out at all. So it's not just the physical lockdown. They literally locked down lots of other ways. And, Mm. and that's, um, dangerous uh, for sure uh, but it's also almost like a forfeiture of something you know it's mm-hmm. we're so wired for community and um in and, and interaction we learn so much from each other it's uh you know it's a tragedy to see all that um kind of get re- um, suppressed or whatever so i yeah this is great i mean getting into a conversation literally you know an hour ago whatever it's been we hadn't met each other and to be able to say, and i and i don't consider myself to be a great conversationalist at a party i was partly terrified when you were saying well it's kind of like this it's like oh boy where's my wife hang on I gotta... <laughs> yeah, where's the social <laughs> one that's right but i uh, one people uh, like <laughs> I've, <laughs> I have often felt like that. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's true, you know, but it, uh, what, what we have here, though, and I think this is a really important point, actually, and it's, it's happening um, just sort of naturally. So you've got a couple of guys that are, are wired differently as fours and fives, um, but they have a, a fairly uh, congruent value base for uh, how do you tackle this um this need for resilience. How do you, you know, ensure that, you know, not just you get through uh, for me, music was definitely like that, but I'm also writing songs to encourage other people to get through. And so, and that's what you're doing. You know, you, you, you get into this to, um, you know, how you have approached it in the past and you've been able to work through it. And then it's obviously having an impact for others, uh, for all of your guests, uh, I've certainly been impacted and for all of your listeners. So it's, you know, it's, it's a leveraged impact as well, which makes things, I find that fascinating that, you know, that we, we often forfeit in, in the, you know, the work that we do every day, we sort of miss that, as I was saying earlier, the extra and the ordinary. And, uh, we think that maybe, you know, our job might be, we just clean places. Actually, I heard a story about this. It was a study that was done in hospitals that, um, um, the housekeeping staff that could connect or, or actively connected what they did to making somebody's life better had um, resilience scores off the charts and, and expressed a higher degree of joy than the ones that came and just, you know, I got so much to get done before my coffee break and before my lunch, and before I go home, those kinds of things, but connect meaningfully to, you know, if I was a patient, would I want, uh, you know, clean linens or a clean bathroom to use or, um, you know, and they, and these people that often go then above and beyond and they might bring flowers in for some of the patients or something, whatever it is. And so I, you know, seeing our, our vocation as a way to, you know, positively impact the world, uh, whoever's in our circle of influence, those are the powerful, um, awarenesses that can come to us. So, 
you know, this is one here as you do what you do, as you consult with businesses, it's the same thing. You know, you can uh, be speaking to business about the technical challenge that they have or the HR challenge or whatever it is that you're working with them on. But there's also the way that you do it that has an impact with them and the people, the person that you are, that you bring into the equation. And yeah, that's great. In our in our final couple minutes here, what how do you impact your world around you? What do you do? Um, I guess, you know what, I actually I you have a website. This, yeah, I have a website. But I purposely I do. do no research on people. Yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. <laughs> I uh, I have a website. I do a blog. I do a podcast. Um, I, I'm a COO in a company, and um, uh, my business partner and I set up the company to have a positive impact in people's lives. We actually profit to us is the way that we get it done as opposed to the outcome it's um it you know without it you're not in business so you have to have it but if you're if that's your goal then you sacrifice things and that's not anyway so that's our wiring and uh so that's you know all of those people we have uh, 300 employees or something right now and so those are all impacts right each one of those relationships so i've done keynote speaking all kinds of stuff and uh lots of times i've actually it was one of the other things that intrigued me about your concept here about coffee with humans is something that i've said is, you know, I put all this work into a keynote speech or a blog or a podcast or whatever else. And sometimes I, I believe I could have as much impact if I just sat down with somebody for coffee. Because it's like, just have that deeper conversation. But then what follows is, and this is what my wife says all the time, I'd like to be a fly on the wall because I want to listen in, right? It's right. like, so it's a combination of those two things that's like, just just get real with people and uh, and listen. So I've been You've been a great interviewer and uh, asked great questions and brought along a great conversation. And I've really enjoyed listening to what you've had to say, too. And I, I really appreciate, respect that level of dialogue. So that's partly also an answer to how do I impact people? It's like, I don't know, listening. You know, just like to to listen and engage. I'm trying to be better at that. I think um, we, we so show up sometimes wanting to say what we are and do and present this good face, you know, and... Uh, trying to get better at just going that that matters less than help me understand who you are and what wires you up. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's awesome, man. Well, I'm, I'm so appreciative that you uh, followed through and clicked the link and I'm happy yeah. to hear that uh, this, you know, coffee with humans is making an impact for you. Yeah, that's, definitely. That's all I, that's all I'm looking for. <laughs> so, well, thanks again to our listeners uh, for joining us. Uh, if you want to get in touch with David, it's David at David I put the link up there. Uh, and have a great day. Thanks very much. David, we, and we will talk soon. Thanks for being on. Sounds good. One of the things I love about Coffee with Humans are the raw conversations I get to have meeting new people just like you. If you or someone you know should be on Coffee with Humans, go to coffeewithhumans.com. Remember, the only rule is no sales calls. This has been Coffee with Humans. Subscribe to get updates or click to have coffee with me. Coffeewithhumans.com.